It's time for Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar Post Game Live is brought to you by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires, the team you trust. Now let's join your host, Jason Shepard. The BYU Cougars improved to 4-1 and one on the season. Utah State drops to 1-4. and four. Number 19, BYU gets the win 38-26 to 26 here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Welcome in to Cougar Post Game Live. It is presented by Big O Tires. Go to BigOTires.com and make an appointment at one of 50 locally owned and operated Utah locations. Big O Tires is the team you trust. As I just mentioned, Cougars now 4-1, and one, the lone loss couple of weeks ago in Eugene against the Oregon Ducks and now now you're at the point of the season where we kind of talked about you take the first five games and you see where you are because after the first five games that's going to tell you just how important these next two or three games are the next two games and obviously you take them one game at a time but the next game is and you have some extra time to prepare which is certainly good because Notre Dame is your next opponent and they didn't have a they didn't have to play this week they have a bye this week so they're going to have two full weeks to prepare for BYU you know they watched this game tonight they watched all BYU's film but now you've got BYU in Las Vegas down at Allegiant Stadium next uh, a week from Saturday and that is a big big game that will be followed obviously by Arkansas coming here to Provo but right now it's all about BYU and the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. And at 4-1, and one, yeah, there were some things that there's some things you look back on the one loss and say, you know what, maybe if, if this goes differently, if we play better here, you know, there's an opportunity to be 5-0. and oh. But I think all of us at this point, if you say, you know what, after the first five games, you're 4-1, and one, especially with Kalani Satake. And I'm sure that he probably feels somewhat similar after this game that he felt after the Wyoming game where he said, we're still... We're still trying to, we haven't played our best yet. So if you can be in a situation where you don't feel maybe you have played your best, yet you are still 4-1, and one, I think that bodes very, very well for the BYU Cougars moving forward. And uh, now they'll have a couple of extra days before they have a full week of preparation for Notre Dame next uh, a week from Saturday in Las Vegas. That game will get underway at 5.30 Mountain Time. That means that uh, Cougar pregame live will start at 3.30 Mountain Time. Cleon Wall will actually be your pregame, halftime, and postgame host. Uh, he will be filling in for me. I will be in Stockton, California with BYU Women's Soccer. So I'll have soccer that night on the road. Cleon will be filling in for me on pregame. And then obviously Greg, Riley, and Mitchell will have the call for you a week from Saturday in Las Vegas. A big one, BYU and Notre Dame. A couple of things uh, that really stood out to me, and I think a lot of it just boils down to the the difference in the first half versus the second half. It was a strange first half. BYU, Utah State tied at 17 apiece, but the, the total yards just massively different. 251 for Utah State at the break, 107 for BYU. You also had the rushing yard number, which is just crazy. 147 for Utah State, minus 21 for BYU. Those are your first half numbers. Now we go to the final numbers. Total yards in the game 397 for utah state 396 for byu so the cougars which were down at halftime in terms of total yards by more than 135 yards 
uh, one less than Utah State for the game. So the second half, BYU completely took control of time of possession. The offense got going. The offense really sustained drives, and that's something that played a major role in BYU in the first half, not having a ton of possessions because obviously their very first touchdown was two plays. You had one pass to Gunnar Romney, one pass to Keanu Hill, and then the Cougars were in the end zone. And then you had several three and outs. But in the second half, the Cougars were able to have their sustained drives. They kept the ball a little bit longer. The offense got clicking. And up until, obviously, the last touchdown, which was meaningless in terms of the the game being in doubt or not for Utah State, the second half, BYU, until that last touchdown, had held the Aggies to just three points. So whatever Kalani Satake said at halftime certainly worked because it was a completely different team and really just took control of the second half. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will uh, hopefully be able to hear from the head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Satake. Plus, we'll go over the night in uh, in college and NFL uh, pro football. We got uh, two game, one game in each, so two games to update you on there. Plus, BYU women's volleyball on the road at Portland. We'll let you know how things went for Heather Olmstead and her crew tonight in the Pacific Northwest. Before we get to break, though, I want to remind you: when the Cougars win, you win with Papa John's Pizza. Use the online promo code BYU50. That's BYU50 at PapaJohns.com tomorrow and receive 50% off pizza. This offer is good at any Utah location tomorrow only more cougar post game live when we return it is brought to you by big o tires byu gets the win 38 26 on the new skin byu sports network this is cougar post game live on the new skin byu sports network now back to jason shepherd BYU 38, Utah State 26. Cougars improving to 4-1 and one through the first five games of the season. Welcome back in to Cougar Post Game Live, presented by Big O Tires. Turnovers played a big role in the game tonight. BYU stellar, plus three in the turnovers. They had the pick six. Uh, Max Tooley putting BYU uh, up, uh, getting their second touchdown. At that point, led 14-7. to They also had the fumble recovery and then another interception. A couple things, obviously, still to work on as I look out and see that the rain decided, look, that's how you know it was all meant to be. The rain, which we talked about all night long, it rained a little bit before the game. As soon as we got close to the game, went away. Now that the game is over, the rain is coming down. It gave us the window to play the game. That's all we ask. We truly appreciate it. But a couple of things that that obviously BYU still needs to work on. Penalties, still an issue. And the kicking game, still something that is in question. So something, uh, a couple of things that uh, I'm sure that uh, Coach Satake will address uh, when he visits with the media coming up, uh, hopefully in the next couple of minutes. Let's update you on one other college football game going on tonight. It is not in the top 25, but it was a blowout for South Carolina. They win 50-10 to over South Carolina State. Also tonight, it was Thursday night football in the NFL. The game was between the Miami Dolphins and the Cincinnati Bengals. The game being played in Cincinnati. The Bengals getting the win 27-15. to The Bengals, after starting the season 0-2, have won two in a row, so they are 2-2 two and two on the season. The Dolphins lose for the first time on the season. They are 3-1 and one overall 
and they obviously uh, have a little bit more to be concerned about because not only do you lose the game, uh, but Tua Tonga-Vailoa, the quarterback, left on a stretcher. Uh, I was reading an updated story, obviously did not get to see the game or see any, any highlights of what had happened, but apparently he was getting sacked and he hit his head pretty hard, was taken to the hospital for head and neck injuries, have not seen any update, but that's certainly something that you never want to see and hope uh, for the best for Tua. Uh, but that was the only game in the NFL tonight. And again, Bengals get the win 27 to 15. Tonight in women's so- or excuse me, women's volleyball, the BYU Cougars on the road in Portland taking on the Portland Pilots. Cougars getting the win in straight sets. BYU wins set number one, 25-12, 25-20 in set number two, and in set number three, 26 to 24. So we're used to seeing this with Heather Olmstead's teams. Not only do they just win in general, but when they get into conference play, they are uh, flexing their muscles, and they did that tonight in Portland as they get the three-set sweep. Uh, looking up to see if we've got anybody coming into the uh, post-game media room. Still waiting for head coach Kalani Satake. It looks like the rain has also lightened up almost to the point where it, uh, it could be stopping pretty quick. Uh, again, let's give you uh, the schedule moving forward. Uh, obviously, the Cougars will take the rest of the weekend off. Uh, those that, uh, that will be participating will, uh, will hang out and watch General Conference. The next week, kind of getting back at it, getting ready for Notre Dame. That game will be next uh, Saturday at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Uh, again, kickoff is 4.30 Pacific time, so 5.30 Mountain time is the kickoff. That means Cougar Pregame Live will start two hours before at uh, 3.30. Doing math live on the radio sometimes can be very, very uh, disastrous, especially when you're dealing with a couple of different time zones. But 3.30 Mountain time, 2.30 Pacific time here on the new skin BYU Sports Network. All right, I think I'm going to take a break. We'll come back, hopefully have Kalani Satake on the other side. 38-26 is the final score. Cougars get the win on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Jason Shepard for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar Post Game Live is presented by Big O Tires. The Cougars get the win, 38-26. to 26. I uh, happened to notice as I was sitting here in the press box uh, on the other side of the glass, so, so we're in the broadcast booth, uh, which, you know, obviously we're enclosed here. And then on the, to the right of me, I'm separated by glass, and then there's the big open press box area. And I happened to notice several NFL scouts. Uh, I think at least four, and there may have been five, NFL scouts were in attendance. Now they could certainly be looking at a variety of different players, and I'm sure that they are. But every time Jaron Hall would make a big play, I would kind of look over to my right and just to kind of see what type of maybe facial expressions that some of the NFL scouts were making. And look, Jaron Hall, and, and Riley and I talked about this on pregame. Quite frankly, we've talked about it on just about every pregame, just how good Jaron Hall has been. He has been the one constant, regardless of what may work, may not work. Jaron Hall has been the guy that has got the job done week in and week out, and today was no exception. 18 for 28, 274 yards and three touchdowns. No interceptions, a rating of 181.8. I, I really don't know what else we can say. Riley and I were talking about this. He, he mentioned, you know, that 
it's at the point where you just sort of run out of really good things to say about what Jaron Hall is doing right now. And I think one of the other things that's pretty important about Jaron, from from a health standpoint, and obviously we saw him kind of you know, maneuver the shoulder a little bit, uh, everything seemed to be okay. Obviously never came out of the game, so he appears to be okay. But BYU has not had to rely on Jaron Hall running the ball. They've not needed him to put himself in harm's way in terms of being a runner. The offense has gone well enough that Jaron could stand back, use his arm to make plays. If he needed to run, he, he certainly has shown it. But you have not seen very many plays that were designed quarterback runs. And uh, I think that's something that uh, is, is certainly good from a health standpoint, but also a situation where it allows Jaron to show off exactly what he can do through the air. And again, he was great uh, with the 295 yards passing and, uh, and three touchdowns. I thought a really good game for Christopher Brooks, and he's a guy that you haven't seen a ton of numbers from over the last couple of games. But he came out with 90 yards on the ground, had another touchdown, uh, had a touchdown last week, so it's back-to-back weeks for Christopher Brooks with touchdowns, 11 carries for 90 yards. Miles Davis, uh, eight carries for 39. He was obviously the guy that everybody was talking about after the game last week. Uh, you heard from Mitchell Jurgens that, uh, that he did. Um, he went into the tent for a little bit, came out, looks like just precautionary, did not return to the game. Hopefully we'll get uh, an update from Kalani when he uh, joins the, uh, the media event coming up in uh, hopefully in just a minute or two. Uh, but uh, it was also good to see uh, Gunnar Romney get his first action of the season and not just get first action, but the very first offensive play went to Gunnar Romney who made a fantastic catch, and that was one of two plays that BYU needed to score their first touchdown of the game. Overall, BYU gets the win, and now you move on to take on the Irish of Notre Dame a week from Saturday in Las Vegas. We'll take one uh, another break and hope to have Kalani Satake on the other side BYU gets the win, 38-26 on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to Greg Rubel. Live from LaVelle Edwards Stadium, let's pause 10 seconds for a station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is BYU Radio on KBYU FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. BYU 38 and Utah State 26 is our final score. Let's get to our postgame honorees before Kalani Sitake takes the postgame podium. We'll start with our steel man of the game. It's our Steel Man of the Game by presented by Palmer's Metal Mart. Our Palmer's Metal Mart Steel Man of the Game. Presented by Palmer's Metal Mart, your local metal, metal supplier for over 26 years. Rila, who do you like for Steel Man tonight? I said on the broadcast today that he's quickly becoming one of my favorite defensive players on this BYU team. Number one, Micah Harper. Ten total tackles, five solos, one pass breakup, one forced fumble, which was a big one. It was in the red zone as Utah State was going to score uh, to uh, make it a ten-point lead there. So um, Micah Harper, I've been saying his name. The guy absolutely torpedoes. He plays downhill from the safety position and uh, affects the game both as as a run stopper and a pass defender. So Micah Harper is our steel man of the game. Brought to you by Palmer's Metal Mart. Now for our Waystar, star of the game, which is sponsored by Waystar. Simplifying healthcare payments. Learn more at Waystar. 
BYUWaystar.com. And tonight's BYU Waystar star of the game is... Cody Epps, five catches, 86 yards, one touchdown, including a drive in the third quarter, which BYU uh, badly needed to distance themselves from Utah State. They came out and scored. Utah State came right back down and scored. And then the following drive after crossing midfield, well, about uh, BYU got the ball around their own 40. They throw a return uh Sorry, an over-return on a shot play to Cody Epps for 27 yards. Then they throw a hitch to him. He breaks a tackle, runs for another 26. And then after a false start penalty, he catches a swing pass back to the left and knifes his way into the end zone. Three straight catches, basically his own drive, uh, which was uh, a big one there in the third catch. Not to mention that we called out on the broadcast, he is the the reception leader for this BYU team, which, uh, of course, Greg, you had that is your prediction five games in that Cody Epps would be the leading obviously, pass catcher. Yeah, obviously. Right. And, and as did all began. of our listeners. First right. week of August, that was my prediction. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But uh, no, so there you go. Cody Epps, our Waystar star of the game. Excellent. And yeah, Cody came into the game and leaves the game as the Cougars' receptions leader. Of course, uh, the asterisk on that is that uh, Gunnar Romney saw his first action in game five. And uh, Puka Nakua, after leaving early in game one, was hurt in game four and missed game five. And so uh, getting the whole crew together has been a chore. Uh, Chase Roberts notably has missed most of two games now as well. And so uh, the wide receiver core has been banged up, to say the least. Kalani Sitake has taken his seat at the press conference podium. Let's go down and hear from the head coach, the Cougars. Well, um, tough game. Um, Excited we got the win. Um, Give a lot of credit to Utah State. I thought um, Blake Anderson and staff had the guys ready to play. They did some different things, some things that we weren't expecting, especially on the offensive side. But uh, I thought they played really well on defense, too, and, um, you know, we, we could, uh, we definitely can even play better ourselves. We just, uh, a lot of um, mistakes and undisciplined play, but uh, just, just the little things that we can, we can fix. I, I didn't like it. I think last week I talked to you guys about us not playing clean, and then uh, the same thing happened again. So that's my job, uh, demanded from our guys. But uh, some really good things happened um, with competition. So I thought some guys played really well. Um, tonight and uh, we'll just keep building on it but um, a lot of credit to Utah State I thought they came in with a great game plan uh, the players were, were fired up ready to play this game and obviously you know nothing to lose and we had we played a little bit tight I thought they played with, with uh, an attitude of nothing to lose and we played uh, just an attitude of just trying too hard not to make mistakes and ended up making some so um, you find a way to get our guys to play more loose and um, you know have more fun out there and, and not make so Bonehead mistakes, but that's 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 my job as head coach. So we'll work on that. But the effort was good, and the guy I thought the guys played really well, made some adjustments um, uh, on on offense and defense, and I thought it worked out well for us. So um, we're, we're excited that we got the win. Obviously, at the end there, um, had some guys just felt like it was good to get some um, backups, some reps, and they obviously scored on us. But it's okay. I'll, I'll trade in the the points for the experience. So. Any questions you guys have? What was the difference in the second half? Tight game at halftime. Yeah, made some adjustments. I, I, honestly, the the game plan that they had, they didn't. I didn't think they were going to do as much keep away ball or um, um, the t- type of runs. It reminded me a lot of what Coastal Carolina does, and um, a lot of great reason. They have. I mean, they played. They played. I thought Cooper did a great job um, running running that offense. You know, and. Um, 
we just couldn't get off the field at certain times. I thought the guys played really hard and, and made plays, but um, but there are times it's like the the penalty of throwing the shoe. Um, got away with it in Tennessee years ago, and obviously got to teach our guys not to throw the stupid shoe anymore, and um, just give it. Try to teach our guys to play sportsmanship, so give it back to the to the player, and then just keep moving on. But it, it was like just mistakes that extended the drives, and uh, you know I, I like our guys playing with a lot of energy, but um, can't abandon our, our mindset and, and need to make sure that we play with a better uh, better mind in, in, in the game. So that's going to be the focus. We have to get that. We have to play better than that as far as clean football. Defense for the gods. Yeah, I mean, we we found you know found out today that that he wasn't able to go, and and um, I think, I mean, he's a tough kid, plays hard, you know, and and, and uh, remember him in high school, so he he's he can hurt you with his arm and and with his legs, and so um, I think when the I don't know if it was that much of a shift, as much as it was on their side changing being more of a, a downhill run team, and uh, and, and and basically. Not not as a you know, keeping the ball away. I mean, I think the first half and and offense didn't help ourselves either because we, we we made some didn't make enough plays. But I think we had what was it, was fifty two plays on defense, uh, you know, and the time of possession was was crazy and in their favor. And I think on offense, I think we only had maybe a dozen plays. So uh, you know, we're not going to score a lot of points when you don't have that the opportunities just to get on the field. And we've got to find a way to get the ball back to our. Our, uh, our offense and, and allow them to, to do their thing. So, but the adjustments made at halftime I thought was really good. We don't know if we could have done that um, during the game in the first half. We, we were on the field quite a bit, and then there was always quick turnarounds. There's, there's a lot of communication that needs to happen uh, on the sideline. We were trying to get that done, and, and just didn't feel confident about the scheme and the change up until we got back in at halftime and had the whole team there. What do you kind of attribute to the slow starts defensively the last couple of weeks the most? Um, give credit to the offenses that we're playing against, but also just find a way to make plays and, and don't make mistakes. You know, this I think the easiest thing would be um, playing assignment style football and make better decisions. As far as you know, I think we got first drive. I think it was 15 yard penalty on Batty, and it was just just not smart. I mean, I think he pushed the guy's head into the ground and stuff like that. Because come on. We're way better than that, and so just undisciplined stuff, and uh, just need need the defensive players just to buy into what we're doing and play football in between the whistles. And I think if we do that, we will be in better better situation. So I, the uh, the aggression needs to be during the play of the game, not afterwards or not even before. It just has to be when when the when the snap starts, and we're having a bad you know, hard time adjusting to that. So um, we'll we'll be focused on making sure we start better that way. It, it looked like Jaron was favoring his shoulder a little bit after taking that hard late hit late in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Is he still okay? Is he? Is yeah, he I'm, sure, I'm sure he's sore, you know. But but he, I think he'll be fine. We luckily we have some extra days to rest, so we'll take advantage of that. We'll, we'll get back together with everybody. But he seems in good spirits and seems fine. So I mean, he's just sore. I thought I thought Utah State defensively did did some really good things. Try to take away the run and put a lot of pressure on on us, and um, kind of got us uh, off our off our our rhythm and our schedule. You know, on, on what we're trying to do as an offense, and and then I don't know if we took advantage of, of um, the op- some opportunities. You know, we in the red zone area, so uh, we've got to figure it out. And 
um, I, I feel really excited that we got the win, but there's definitely a lot of a lot of th improvements to be made, and, and they're 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 I, I think for me, I, I think I would imagine that they're easy easy things to fix. Kalani, why did you go back to Jake Oldroyd when he was struggling? Yeah, um, we felt good about about him kicking the ball, but you know, I know he made that one, but then uh, some uncharacteristic misses. But you know, competition will be on. Thought he kicked off really well. We tried to do an onside kick, and Utah State was ready for it. But I think it, I think it kind of sparked a little bit of energy in the defense. You know, I'm glad we stopped them and forced a field goal. But uh, I, I just, I want our team to know that we want to find ways to win. You know, and that's. So I, I wish we'd have got the ball, and I wish it had been execute, executed differently. But you know, when it's all said and done, we're, I like the aggressiveness of the play call and, and willing to just go out there and, and try to win the game instead of just you know, try to do something to, to change the momentum. Beyond Jake, who are the guys that are going to be in that competition? you got Smith, Peter Reed. Who, who are some of the guys that are going to be competing for that spot? Yeah, well, we got, we got uh, Justin Smith, and then Cash Peterman can be involved in that too. So. Possibly, but he's our best holder, and, and I think he's really good at, you know, at what he does in punting. So we'll we'll see, but um, we got some time to think about it. I, we'll, we still have a lot of belief in Jake. It's just maybe it's just that end zone. I have no idea, you know. But but um, um, we'll get it fixed. Uh, no one's harder on himself than he is. So right now he's he's not happy, but I'm trying to get him to be happy. We won the game, and but we still believe in, in his skills. I thought he kicked off really well, you know. So. Um, we just got to keep building off of it. How would you assess the run game today? What's that? How would you assess the run game today? Uh, not good enough, especially at the beginning. So, um, yeah, just just uh, I, I thought Utah State did some good things up front to take away take it away, but um, you know, just just fumbling the ball in exchange doesn't help you out. We had some some penalties that kind of put us back you know, five yards to start. So it's just stuff that we can't be doing. And we got ourselves caught in, in uh, a third and long situation. So uh, we're a lot better than that as, as a team, um, especially as an offense. I thought, you know, the second half we were able to get some plays and get some yards. And, uh, but I'd like to see more points than what we had. Defensively, I was just going to say defensively, you give up almost 400 yards, mm -hmm. but you get three turnovers. So, what what do you take away from? I mean, those turnovers were big for you, obviously with the pick six. Yeah. Um, well, I I felt like you know, the yards I'm not really worried about as much as the the getting off the field and extending drives. We didn't help ourselves. We kept shooting ourselves in the foot by making boneheaded mistakes, and so. Uh, we got to fix that. That's got to be addressed right away. And I think the players know. And we'll get. Luckily, we get back to meetings and 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 get this stuff graded out for tomorrow. I was going to ask you about Gabe being ejected for targeting. Did yeah. You, did you agree with that call? Well, I didn't see the replay enough, but I, 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 I didn't see him leave his feet or anything like that. I thought he fronted him up, and I, I don't know. They said that he hit him with the crown of his head or whatever. But um, I thought he. I, I, I thought it wasn't a, a targeting. He. Actually hit him up and then slung him down, so it wasn't like he left his feet. Or, but I don't know. I'll, I'll look at the uh, at the um, the video, and I, th I think um, we plan. You know, hopefully they they make the, they change the decision. But if not, he will miss the first half of the um, of the game in Vegas. Coach, I know this one just wrapped up, but you know, next Saturday you just alluded to Vegas is a really interesting place for a Notre Dame home game. Um, yeah, and I know the fans have been looking to it all, forward to it all year. Did, mm -hmm. Can you already feel a little buzz around that? Um, just, just 
until now, no, we're we're focused on Utah State. We we knew that um, that Utah State would be ready for this game. I mean, it, they they even said in a lot of their, their their interviews and things like that that this would be a game that we were, you know, that's the only thing scheduled. Not there's nothing in the future right now. So uh, we knew that they they were going to come after us. We just I didn't think I didn't like our response in the first half. I liked it in the second half. So um, we, we've got to play, we have to play better football as a team. And, and but I, at the same time, we won the game. So we, I don't want to sit here and say we made all these mistakes. Utah State played really, really well. I thought, I thought they played a, a great game. Um, they did some good things, especially after not having their, their quarterback. I thought they adjusted well. Defense played physical football. Um, so you're giving them a lot of credit. But at the same time, you know, I want to just fix the low-hanging fruit problems, the, 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 the mistakes of discipline. So we can get that done. I, I feel better about our team. Governor Rodney made his season debut tonight. What stood out about his performance to you? Yeah, I mean, it's just good to have him back on the field. You know, he, he's uh, he's been waiting for a while to, to get this thing going. So I just I just didn't want to believe it until I saw him catch his first pass. And then that that was nice. We're a better team when, when Gunner's playing. Uh, we feel greatly great about our receiving group. But um, Gunner's back for a reason. He came back this year for a reason. And I'm just glad that he's able to get out there and make plays now. And, and um, he is just... To see that 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 light in his eyes, the excitement of being on the field. This is what he enjoys, and so I think missing out all those games since camp has been been really hard on him. So hopefully he can make some more memories for us next week. I think the plan is just to get everybody involved and just get more. So the plan wasn't to go the only eleven or twelve plays and not have the ball, and not get enough points. So uh, you know we we want to score as many points and and have. I don't care who catches it, but it's just nice that Gunner's now an option, right? And and, and really excited about our team right now. We just we're we're, we're happy we got the win. Go to fix it, get some extra time of rest, and then um, get after the game next week. So appreciate it, guys. All right, all right. That's Kalani Sitake, BYU players next on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Greg Rubel for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. BYU 38, Utah State 26, tonight's final score. Cody Epps and Gunnar Romney will be on the press conference podium. Cody yet to arrive, but Gunnar is talking to the media. Let's head down. Yeah, I mean, still a lot of celebration. You know, it's, this, this is a big rivalry, um, one of the big in-state rivalries. Um, so it always feels good to beat this team. You know, this team is it's a very competitive game, no matter, you know, what, what the records are. Um, but... It feels good, for sure. It's satisfying to come out with a win. How did, just personally, how did it feel for you to get back on the field after yeah. the long delay? You know, super rusty, for sure. I, that's that's one thing. But I'm just glad to be out playing again. And, you know, that's what first games are for, is to see what, see what I can prove on, shake off the rust, and uh, just be ready to go for next week again. On the throw to the end zone, were you thinking at all about the kidney there? Or? No, I, I really wasn't. Um, you know, I, I feel like I played, you know, most of the game without thinking about it all. So it was just some, it was a catch that I have to make. Um, you know, I feel like I, those are catches that are routine for me, and, and I need to haul that one in. Conditioning-wise, how, how close to 100% are you? Oh, not even close conditioning-wise. I, I, was, I was out of breath almost the entire game. But, you know, that's just something where I, I haven't practiced too often until this week, you know, and it's a short week, too, trying to, trying to get in as many reps as I can but still stay fresh. Um, but that's just something that will come with time. So, you know, by next week we'll be good. Jaron went to you about as early as he could 
to, to kind of try to get you back in play and maybe make you look like that guy next to you and, and Cody a little bit. Did you know that he was going to try to get you involved early? Yeah, yeah, we, we talked about it before the game. You know, that was, that was something that we were going to try and set up is to be aggressive on the first play. Um, and, you know, it just ended up working out that I was in the right spot. But, yeah, that's, that's something that we, we talked about and we game planned that we wanted to be aggressive right from the start. Cody Epps has joined Gunnar Romney at the podium. So effective this season because you got guys like Cody out here. I think our receiving core is super deep. Even you know, even without me and Puka playing for the majority of the year, you saw it. You know, with Cody, Braden, Cosper, you know, Keanu Hill, all those guys have stepped up huge. You know, Chase Roberts, all those guys have stepped up. I think the depth that we have, you know, at tight end position and receiver position, and then Jaron's just an unreal quarterback. You know, he looks super comfortable back there. He's just slinging the rock right now, but he's a. Uh, our, our passing game has been really fun, and I'm glad to be a part of it now. Last couple questions for Gunnar. What's Jaren's maybe demeanor? Early on in the game, you know, three, three and outs. What's he like when you guys are kind of going through some struggles? Yeah, you know, Jaren's a person, same person all the time. Um, whether we're, you know, rolling like we were on the first drive or, or you know, the last couple series, um, or, you know, we have that little lull at the end of the first quarter and in the second quarter. He's the same guy. He's always going to be a good leader. He's always positive, always, you know, helping, up, helping people out. You know, keep your heads up, type guy. Um, so I, I, he's a great leader, and, and I really respect him for that. Gunner, what do you have to do as a leader and a, and a veteran when there's some sloppy play, whether it's offense, defense, whatever? What what needs to happen to clean that up and execute at the level you guys are capable of? Yeah, I mean, you you can be all like the raw raw guy. You can you can do all that, but I think really it comes down to to making plays and setting a tone. If you're a guy that goes out there and, and makes a huge play, automatically is going to raise the energy of, of the entire team. And so if you can go out and do that, even if it's, it's something away from the ball, if it's not a big catch or not a big run or anything, if it's you know, a great blocker or something like that, that's what really elevates a team. All right, thanks, Gunnar. Questions for Thank Cody? Thank you. Cody, what, what did it mean to have him back on the field? You saw him. I, would, I couldn't stop smiling as soon as I sat next to him. Um, that's a brother right there. That's a dude that I love to death, and I'm going to love him for the rest of my life as a true friend, as a true brother. To have him back on the field when he made that first catch is like, it's epic. Because I know he's been waiting for a while, and I've been wanting it for him, and the team has been wanting it for him, so it's pretty sick to see that. Cody, in the third quarter, as the team, you guys ran 22 plays, averaged nine yards per play. What really changed in the third quarter from the, the first two quarters for the offense? And what, what led to all that success? Those are some cool statistics right there. I, uh, I don't know about the statistic, yeah. Uh, I think I think we just came out with intent to, to keep the energy up and come out full speed, taking shots and, and tr- trying to move the ball. You know, get get things rolling for our offense and then help our defense, of course. Because like he said, when we make plays on offense, it helps our defense. So everything starts to mesh and fall together. So that was the biggest thing. We're just going to keep going at it and keep going. Cody, is this team improving every week? Every week. I said in one of my early earlier interviews, Coach Kalani always talks about love and learning. So that's our that's our mantra, and that's what we what we lead by, and that's what we follow. So every week we're we're trying to love better, we're trying to learn better, we're trying to progress in that aspect of life, and on the football field, of course. So it's only so much like our growth is just going to be continuous. Offensively, where do you think the growth happened the most tonight? Just like I said, just keep going. We we keep fighting. Every game we keep fighting, man. Like we 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 get out there, and sometimes we don't start as fast as we want to, but we keep grinding. We still call plays to get the ball down the field, and we just go out there and make plays. So, is there anything offensively that you guys can do to kind of mitigate those slow starts? Uh, I don't I don't know that stuff. Coach A Rod will tell us on Monday, and Fessy will tell us in the wide receiver room on Monday too. How has it felt to have more kind of asked of you within the offense with all the different injuries at receiver? It's, it's, it's definitely been something that I've 
that I've really, really been dreaming about, you know, making big plays for my team. All last year I sat on the sideline and watched a lot of other dudes make plays, and I was cheering for them and so happy for them. And, and it feels so good when you have your coaches, your teammates leaning on you to make big plays, and you can and you can do that for them. So it's definitely been fun, and it's definitely been something that I've been yearning for for a while. What are your initial thoughts of going to Vegas next week and playing Notre Dame? Uh, after the Manti Teo thing, it was, uh, it was, you know, like I was thinking about that game, like this is about to be a big game because of what happened in that situation. And um, just this team is amazing. Notre Dame is a traditionally amazing team. And then we have an amazing team going into Vegas too. So it's about to be pretty sick. And I think the story is going to be epic, you know, for years to come too. All right, questions for John. All right, that's Cody Epps. Uh, defensive lineman John Nelson is on the podium. Max Tooley will also join John. So John Nelson, Nelson and soon Max Tooley here at the Cody's, press conference Cody's podium. We'll stay right here with you. Bye-bye, guy. That's John Nelson. <laughs> well, on the record, Cody's a dog. John, thoughts on the defensive performance? Uh, you know, it's the first half was uh, not what we liked, but at halftime we said, hey, we can play better than that. You know, we can we can come out and – you know, play our game and we'll be all right. So, going into the second half, uh, it was it was a good uh, down to earth moment that we can we can do this. What do you attribute to some of those slow starts in the first half? Uh, I don't know, man. It's uh, personally playing defensive line. It's it's kind of hard because in the first play you're kind of nervous and then like you're making contact and after a couple of plays you made that contact and kind of get all the jitters out. You know what I mean? So, uh, me personally, I just uh, uh, I like. Just, it takes me a second to get used to every, everything, you know. But it shouldn't. So, I mean, it should be, you know, first play is as good as last play. So. Did you guys prepare all week for Bonner and then get surprised when Pagat played? Um, going in, we, uh, we knew that there was a chance that uh, Bonner wouldn't play. And uh, we, we, we did plan for uh, Lagat, and uh, we, we had some different looks in practice. And, uh, yeah, uh, so when we got the news that Logan wasn't playing, we were – you know, we stick to, our, stick, to the, uh, stick to the game plan. So, John, a lot of teams seem to want to attack you guys on the ground. Yeah. What do you need to do and, and what needs to happen to make them pay for that? Because that just seems to be what the last, last few teams have really tried to do against you guys. Yeah, well, I mean, we just got to keep winning games. Uh, playing good run defense is just – it's just some things just don't go the way that, you know, you want them to, and that's football. Uh, football is – I mean, it's a game of inches, and it's the, it's the littlest little – Things you guys probably don't even uh, see while you're watching it, but uh, the players and coaches, we it's just the smallest adjustment can can make a big difference on a defensive le- on a whole team defensive level, just a personal level, you know. John, what was your view of uh, the guy next to you as pick six? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so they always tell us to get our hands up and everything, and I'm just you know batting balls down. And we keep batting balls down, and uh, it's good to see if one finally get picked off, and then. Did you bet that? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Who it is? No, no. So Max did a great job running, and I was blocking uh, the quarterback, and I was like, I really want to lay this guy out right now, but I was like, I can't get a penalty. So, yeah, props to Max taking it all the way. Love every second of that. So, anyway, cool. good job, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Anything else for John? All right, John. Thanks. Go keys. Linebacker Max Tooley remains at the podium. He'll be the last I mean, player tonight. I feel like every time uh, the ball lands in my hands, um, I've always just, since since I started playing football, it's just the, the mentality to score, um, whether it's offense or defense. So, you know, these days you only get defensive opportunities. And so just the same sort of situation, just needed to score. And uh, 
Well, let's do what it had to do. Is running back Max Cooley coming to play a little bit as soon as that, that ball caught? And a little was- bit. A little bit, but I think uh, my ball security crossing the end zone was suspect for sure. And there were probably some things I could do better. Uh, I, I mean, I haven't played running back in a long time. It's been like six, seven years. So. Go talk to Harvey on Monday. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll talk to him. Maybe get some indie drills in. So, we'll see. What happened on the shoe toss? True. I just, you know, I think I just remembered Zach Doff throwing his a couple years ago, and I was like, dang, like that'd be kind of legendary. But I mean, no, I, honestly, it's probably the same answer he gave. It's probably just spur of the moment. You know, things. Things happen, and I mean, I didn't think what I was doing would get me a personal foul, but it is what it is, and I'll learn from that and uh, just play smarter from here. How do you clean up things? Because there were a bunch of those like little kind of sloppy things on defense that got up, you know, missed tackles, a couple of costly penalties. What has to happen for the defense to to be disciplined and execute to not have those things? You know, I think it's you know, like you're saying, there's a lot of the fundamentals. You know, just the basic things like wrapping up and tackling. Um, Myself included, I left way too many plays out on the field today, and I'm not really satisfied, to be honest. Um, I just feel like just staying focused, you know, all all week. Um, something we really need to focus on, um, just staying locked in and staying uh, you know, dialed in with our technique and our, our fundamentals. So. Do you feel like this team is improving through game five? I think so, but I mean, we're nowhere near where we should be. You know, there we've gone up and down. Um, we had a couple hot games at the beginning. I think uh, I think we're going to pick it back up next week, though. I think finally things are going to start, you know, clicking, and uh, big things are going to happen. Kareem, Max, how would you feel like you are? Do you feel like you're playing your best football since you've been here at BYU right now? I mean, given my my reps and my opportunities, yes, I I feel like I'm playing probably probably the best football of my my career here. Um, you know, I'm just trying to take it game by game, um, stay healthy, and keep making the most out of my reps. Kalani's kind of talked about how the team thought it would be further along at this point in the season. Do you agree with that assessment after after today's performance? Further along in what way? Sorry. He's talking about the growth of the offense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we the offense has carried us. The defense has, you know, held their own. Um, I think it just depends on the game. You know, who's coming to play. Um, I think, yeah, obviously we we want to be further along in our in our overall team. You know, I don't know, but. Yeah, I think I think it's just a matter of just trusting it and uh, playing it week by week and seeing what we can do next week, uh, how we can improve. We'll have a long break, and I think that will help a lot uh, get our feedback under us and uh, just prepare for Notre Dame. Max, you guys have played five games now. Out of three of those games, the defense has had at least one turnover. One turnover. How do you feel like that? You know, if you get this defense to come together. You know that that's solid, but I mean that's not enough. Our goal as a defense is. Uh, you know, at least to a game, at least two takeaways. So I think we've came up short in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, also the offense has done a great job at taking care of the ball. So in that regard, the turnover battle has been quite equal. Um, but, yeah, I think we're always just hungry to get more takeaways. So I think, you know, as the season progresses, we should see those numbers go up. Your initial thoughts on Notre Dame this week? You know, Notre Dame, they're always tough, you know. We haven't really looked too much into them. You know, we're, we're focused on Utah State all the way this week. Um, but yeah, they're a tough team. They're always one of the best in the in the country, um, regardless of what people may say. You know, certain years, but we know they're going to come to play. They're going to be physical. It's going to be a big game. So. Last question back here, Max. This is a fun question, but important. Um, 
last three weeks I've heard dog mentality. I've heard it like five times throughout the press conferences. Is that sort of identity that you guys are forming this season, BYU, Cougars, dogs? I mean, I personally, I've, I've wanted to have that mindset since I was eight years old, you know. Every time I step on the football field, you know, I want to hit somebody hard or, you know, just win, win my one-on-one uh, -on -one battle, whatever play it may be. Um, so I think, yeah, we're trying to instill that in, in everybody. Just, you know, just flying around, you know, have no regard, you know, and just take care of business whatever way possible. Appreciate it. All right, that is linebacker Max Tooley. You heard from linebacker Max Tooley, defensive lineman John Nelson, wide receivers Gunnar Romney and Cody Epps, along with head coach Kalani Sitake. And Kalani will still join us here in the broadcast booth for some two-on-one conversation on the headset with Riley Nelson and me. Coming up after this break, we'll hear from Utah State head coach Blake Anderson as Cougar Post Game Live continues on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to Greg Rubel. All right, to back here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, the thunder rolls. Yes, in the post game, a lot of thunder, a lot of lightning, a little rainfall, but uh, the game long since complete. The game ends with BYU defeating Utah State by a final score of 38-26. to A short time ago, Blake Anderson, the head coach of the Aggies, spoke with the media our own Amy Harris was among those getting these post-game comments. Best we've played all year. You know, the encouraging part is that the guys aren't giving up on the process and we're getting better. Thought we played as good as you can possibly play in the first half. <clears throat> Clearly the game started getting away from us. In the third quarter, their offense got going and started kind of taking over the game. But um, kids never quit. We played, uh, we played our best game of the season at the right time. Gave ourselves a chance to be competitive. I wish we'd been able to convert there and, and, and go down and find a way to score and really make this thing interesting. But uh, just just their physical front got us off the field when we, when we really needed to convert. I thought Coop did a great job. He prepared all week really exactly the way you ask him to. He's been, he's been ready for this opportunity, and, and he did enough things to help us win the game tonight. We just we had some breakdowns in a couple other areas that, that just didn't give us a chance. But... That team that played tonight, if we'll play like that every week, gives us a chance to win. Uh, as we start conference, really start conference play uh, next week with Air Force coming in, you know, every week's going to matter. Yeah, and we can't afford to let another one slip having lost to UNLV. So, what questions do you have? Hey, um, tell us what you thought was impressive about Lagos' play. Uh, just how poised he was. He did a great job. He, he was just exactly who he is. That's why he came into the – bowl game and, and, and won that game. He's prepared the right way. As I, as I mentioned, he's waited his opportunity. And when it showed up, he, he did a phenomenal job. I'm sure like any quarterback, there's a couple plays he'd love to have back. But, man, he gave us a chance to win. And um, he's going to continue to get better every week he goes out. So run blocking, feel like guys did a lot better than you have in the past yeah. games. What are your thoughts on that? No, I, I was really, really pleased how we ran the ball, especially early. Uh, it got harder as the game went on. They made some adjustments. We uh, – you know, that's something we've been missing, something we've needed consistently, able to move the chains like we did. And kind of tell two halves. You couldn't do it any better the first half, and we struggled a little bit late as the game continued, but it's something to build on for sure. Coach Anderson, I, I mean, can you tell us a little bit more about Logan's injury? Is there any chance that we're going to be able to return this season? Uh, no, he, uh, he's done. He'll, uh, unfortunately, 
we had it looked at several times this week and uh, hoping we get different information. But just as you look at it, it's going to need surgery. Uh, it'll be surgically repaired next week. It's the same foot that he broke uh, last year in the offseason. <clears throat> Almost same place. going to need more work, more hardware to, uh, to get him recovered so he can kind of move on with his career. But this is Coop's team, and he'll do a great job. As I said a few weeks ago, I have no doubt about what he's going to be able to do, and he played like it tonight. What's uh, Alfred he's daily uh he's day to day it, it would have been high risk to put him out there tonight not sure how effective but I, I do anticipate he will be ready next week he's just dealing with an ankle sprain that wasn't quite ready today uh you know I, I, I think numbers in the box they went to a lot of drop eight in the second half and and really a very light box we'd had success running it early uh they they kind of put us in a situation where we're not going to let you throw it over our heads. And we they felt, I think, good enough with how big their front was. They could bottle it up. And, and honestly, really, they did. Uh, any You can't put a quarterback out there throwing in the drop eight all night without bad things happening. So we, we were hoping that we could get it going again with the run game where they have to commit more bodies to the box. And we just weren't affected at it enough. First half, we were able to make them commit bodies. It just It's kind of a tale of two halves. They, their strength, their size just kind of took over up front. Coach, where are some of the emotions from the team? It seemed like this game was really high energy, and it's the last one in the series. So what's kind of the feelings of the series ending and just the way you all play tonight, getting the loss? And- well, you, you want to win. I mean, at the end of the day, that's you want to find a way to win. And I thought we put ourselves in a position to be there. Uh, in the fourth quarter, still in question. 11-point game, kind of like last year. Right at it. Uh, if we get a first down right there, if we move the chains, who knows what happens. We don't. They made the play. We didn't. And, and it's kind of downhill from there. But. You want the kids to get the win, but I also believe we won in a, in a way that our, our kids are starting to gain confidence in what we're capable of doing. And I'm not sure we've had a lot of that up to this point. It's been frustration and no consistency. And, but tonight, all three, all three phases of the ball uh, did things that will allow us to be competitive in every conference matchup. And at the end of the day, in that sense, we got better. We can gain confidence from it. I wish we'd have got the win. I wish we'd be taking the wheel home. Nothing like winning the last one. That'd be awesome. But... Uh, but I still believe our guys did so many good things. You know, we're going to work on those things and, and, and build on those things. It's going to make us a better football team. Is there any uh, word on when the rivalry might resume? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You have to ask somebody way above my pay grade. I don't, I don't get involved in that. Okay. So uh, a couple turnovers in the first half and kind of costly. You feel like you might be leading at halftime without those uh, two turnovers? Yeah, I mean, you, you can't. I mean, a good football team, you can't turn the ball over. You can't. So we, uh, we got to. We got to get rid of those. Ball tip, nothing he can do. He's going to the right spot. Ball tip up in the air. The fumble, that's one we got to we got to secure the ball. I'm, I'm sure he's sitting over probably thinking about that one right now. But that's part of it. Uh, he did so many good things. I don't want that to overshadow how well he played. We can't turn the ball over, and we did. Uh, we did stay away from the big penalty tonight, which was in an energy charged environment. That was a step in the right direction. Only one only got one of those was me, and I meant to at the time. Um, was fighting for our guys, and luckily our kicker bailed me out and made the, made the field goal anyway. So. Coach, can I ask you about two plays that happened along Dale's sideline? The first one when McGriff, uh, when, when they call him for running out of bounds, and then the second one, the targeting in the third quarter that extended field. Yeah, they missed the call on McGriff. He was forced out. He came back in, and he caught the ball. And if they're asked, I think they'll tell you that. They pretty much told me that in the second half after they had a chance to watch it at halftime. So. Um, I get it. It's a judgment call. It happens bang, bang. 
you know, he, he felt like he ran out on his own. I think once they take, took a peek at it over, over the break, I think they felt like maybe they missed that one. The targeting, I clearly don't know what targeting is. I thought he led with the shoulder. Uh, I think the head contact is incidental, which should not be a targeting. But, you know, once they call it, the kid's done. The one I think that was missed was the crackback block on our sideline that should have absolutely been 15 yards and should have been offsetting penalty. So, um, man, they got a tough job. I, I get it. Wouldn't want to do it. But um, I, I thought there were several critical calls tonight that could have swung the game, at least the momentum of the game, that definitely did not go in our favor. But we stayed away from the personal file, the unsportsmanlike. We stayed away from those. Those have been plaguing us in that sense. We did a great job because this was a very competitive, chippy, rivalry-type environment, which you expect, and, and we stayed away from those. A couple guys actually, um, Byron Vaughn was, was put in a position where he had to walk away from it, and the official said he did a great job. So, again, another step in the right direction for us to be a better football team moving forward. Coach, Calvin Tyler got over the 100-yard mark for the second time this season. Would you like for him to Oh, I thought both those running backs ran very, very well. I thought we did a better job of getting downhill when we needed to. We've been kind of bouncing things and dancing, and we didn't tonight. We stuck our foot in the ground. We got downhill. The O-line did a great job, especially early. Um, you know, it was much tougher later in the game. But that was what kind of kept them in a position where they had to play coverage the way we wanted them to, not the way they wanted to. As the game went on and the run game kind of dried up a little bit, uh, that's when the drop eight stuff comes in, and it's really tough to move the ball at that if you can't just if you can't just carve them up. But I thought he and Briggs both ran extremely well. Kind of on Briggs, he had you know. Really- All right, that's uh, head coach of the Utah State Aggies, Blake Anderson. Head coach of the BYU Cougars is Kalani Sitake, and Kalani is on his way up to the broadcast booth. We'll be hearing from Kalani coming up shortly as we continue from Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Final score is BYU 38 and Utah State 26. BYU wins four games in September for the seventh time all time. We'll continue with the coach on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Postgame coverage of BYU football continues with the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show. The Postgame Coaches Show is brought to you by Larry H. Miller Auto, conveniently located in Provo, Linden, and Orem. Larry H. Auto, driven by you. Let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. It is the Larry H. Miller Cougar Postgame Coaches Show, presented by Larry H. Miller Auto, conveniently located in Provo, Linden, and Orem. Larry H. Miller Auto, driven by you. Greg Rubel, Riley Nelson, and the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Kalani Sitake now joining us here in the broadcast booth. Uh, Kalani, congratulations to you and the boys on a win that gets you to 4-1 and one on the year. Yeah, glad we got the win. Um, you know, I'm proud of the guys, the response. I, I mean, a lot of credit Utah State. I thought they played um, the best we've seen from them all year. Blake know. Anderson just said it's our best game of the year. Yeah, and, 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 and um, we, we knew going to this rivalry type of game that, that we would see that. I thought um, – Cooper gave them a little bit of uh, something different in 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 terms of um, how, you know running that t- that style of offense where he's a threat to run now you know and uh, it's unfortunate that their their quarterback Bonner got hurt but um, you know I think they have a good system in, in play with, with what they got going on against us tonight um, you know e- even if we would have played uh, cleaner the way I would like to see that not as many mistakes I still think. Um, they, they still brought a lot of energy and, and played their best. And I thought defensively they did a really good job defensively against our offense. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just lo- love the way our players hung in there. 
uh, the fans, the energy that they brought. I mean, just thank you to all the fans that showed up and, and made a lot of noise and, and give us that, that edge. So um, we'll, we'll get better. We're, we're fortunate. I, I feel really happy that we're sitting here with a, with four wins, you know. And mm-hmm. um, and you can never, I mean, you can never downgrade the wins. I mean, the wins are tough to come. Look at college football. There's a lot of a lot of tough games and, and upsets out there. And one happened to Utah State a couple of weeks ago when they played against Weber, and you saw it happen to Miami and others. So, um, you know, for us to take the, the their best shot and, and um, to, to respond the way we did in the second half, I was really pleased. How would you describe BYU's first half effort and performance versus second half effort and performance? Well, I thought the effort was good. I, I, I just didn't like the focus as far as uh, – mistakes and the penalties and, and and allowing them to be on the field longer our offense had I, I mean I, I I may be wrong but I thought that we didn't have hardly any time of possession in the first half hard to score a lot of points when you don't have the ball you know and and um, they had a lot of thir- third and, and shorts and and I I thought defensively we could do some things differently but I, I didn't think we were aggressive enough at the line of scrimmage with our D line, and who would have thought that the adjustment was to take a D line run out out and, and play with more backers? But mm-hmm. I thought the backers gave us a little bit more freedom to, against what we were seeing from them. A lot of the run game very similar to what we see from Wake Forest, what they do, and, and even what Coastal Carolina has done. So uh, that that was a different change up for what we had to prepare for. But in the second half, I thought we did a great job. Coach, first time in well since 1972 that BYU has gone four games in a row with the BYU offense gone four games in a row without turning it over. Is that right, Greg? That's right. How does that happen? <laughs> like, honestly, <laughs> did, did coaches not care as much about turnover? I, I mean, is it is it an emphasis thing? Is it a play design thing? Is it the players? That's That seems incredible. Of all the great teams that have come through this program since 1972, this is the first to play that cleanly four games in a row. Well, I, and I, I – um... I give a lot of credit to our coaches, and that's what we we talk about. I mean, don't watch the way I played because I had great, I had bad ball security. <laughs> My, you know, me too, yeah, coach. So, but, I, but I know what what to do differently, and and um, we talk to, talk about it often to take care of the football and take care of football. And and I I am very uh, honestly, I'm lucky that we have a, a, a quarterback that takes that to heart. You know, and, and um, some of the throws that he makes, some of them were. I mean, I thought they had they they had an opportunity to make a pick, but. I want him to be aggressive, but at the same time, I want him to be smart. That, to me, is the biggest thing. Back yeah. when I played and when you played, kind of in the same era, it, those those quarterbacks or those offenses that tried hard not to t- turn the ball over kind of self-neutered themselves. They neutered themselves, and they weren't making big plays either. Yeah. The, the, this is the magic combination of still being able to get explosive plays down the field but not risk those turnovers. It's, it's yeah, wonderful. That, that's the, And you hit it right on the head as far as um, – aggressive and take risks but i i think it, it, it's a fine line uh for when you can take risks and when you can't and i think a rod and the quarterbacks have got to figure it out now so um but but in, in terms of fumbles ball security is always an emphasis um you know it's it's really cool when when the when the we defense gets a interception and and the sidelines talking about their ball security is like, hey, ball security is horrible on the, this. The and, punch out Micah yeah. had on the quarterback. Yeah, so you, it's, you know, it's down the, in the red zone. Yeah, it's, it's the emphasis of, of that's part of our culture. Keep reminding our guys that the ball doesn't belong. The ball, we say, the ball does not belong to the player throwing it or, or carrying it. It belongs to the program, belongs to the fans. And so, with that on my on their mind, I think I don't think it's a 
I don't think it's I don't I don't personally I've never seen too much ball security. So I want someone to t- to make me say, "Hey, that's a little too much ball security." You know what I mean? So that's that's what we're uh that's what we're looking for and then I th- I'm just glad that it's catching on with the boys. You coach enough football, you'll see enough things and I don't know that you'll ever see a, a quarter of football like this. The first quarter ended. Utah State had snapped 34 plays. You had snapped five plays, and you were the team leading 14 to seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we got a pick six on that one. Yeah. yeah. I. Oh man, and 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 I'm looking at the plays at halftime. I'm like, oh my gosh. It's 54 they, to 19. Yeah, and they, and they and they kept the ball away from us, you know, and yeah. and but but we didn't help ourselves on defense with with extending the plays by making mistakes and penalties. Um, but uh, we just knew that we once we get in halftime, uh, we, we couldn't make any adjustments really on the sideline either because we were on the field for so long, you yeah. know. So uh, once we made the wholesale change and, and changed up with some scheme stuff, I thought second half was really good, and I thought they did a great – I mean, we put them in a bad spot defensively by going for the onside kick. Um, the surprise onside that didn't work out, credit to Utah State, they made the play, but turned into a field goal, defense responded, and I thought the the team responded well with the, aggress- the aggression. Um, and then the the touchdown at the end was was um, you know on our on our backup guys. We we just needed them to get reps, and and I hate that they they gave up a touchdown, but it but they responded well to, on the two point conversion. Um, they need that experience. Coach, uh, have a little therapy session with me right now, if you will. I thought that Gabe Judy Lolly's hit. I mean, I thought it was face mask yeah. to face mask. Was that maybe a little bit of a of a uh, even it out or, or or a makeup call for the hit on their guy? Which I also thought was maybe a little bit of a glancing blow. Or yeah. or is it really just safety first and foremost? Anyway, t- talk I'll, to me through I'll, that. I'll have to look at it. I, yeah. I mean, I. I he didn't leave his feet, and he didn't um, launch or torpedo because yeah, he, he, in fact, threw the guy down. So, right. Um, but I was trying to get answers, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? They're, they're obviously not going to change their mind, and we're going to appeal it and see what they what they say. You know, with the, with that's the there, so there is an appeal process that he doesn't have to be hurt. He can come in against Notre Dame. Yeah. If, and okay. Otherwise, he'd only be able to play in the second half. Yeah. You know. So, um, but I thought he responded the right way, and it's just like I. You know, it's it's uh it's these little things that that we keep talking about the, the going low on the quarterback. When I I thought Jacob Bourne hit him in the hip, but yeah. um, I have to keep watching. I, I didn't see all the film, so like the replay guy yeah, gets to tough, look at it. Tough to ask. You. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I get the positive of that is you know Micah Harper led in tackle. You got these DBs and you played a lot of nickel, even some dime. You had yeah. six DBs out there, but but those dudes you can feel comfortable on those sets because those dudes are willing to come down here, play physical, and contribute in, in the run game or you know in the screen game making hard physical tackles mm-hmm. even if you know unfortunately you get a judgment call against Gabe that maybe is questionable when then, then this is how you respond to that I thought I thought uh, Maury came in did some good things and the other corners played well I mean I, I thought um, for the most part played a, quite a bit in man you know so the um, uh, they got some plays uh, I think it's maybe we were on the wrong leverage with our coverage but um, a couple times it's hard when you're playing that style where it looks like a run. They're holding on to the ball a little bit longer, and I kept saying, "Is it looks like illegal man downfield?" But it's yeah. it's 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 uh, hard to, to to gauge. And then that. on the outside, they, the the wide receivers get that inside release on you. But yeah. no, I, I thought you guys for the most part. Did. I mean, you you limited explosives, especially in the passing game, pretty much all day. Yeah, the first half, I just wish we can get that back. And then it's just good to have this ready-made adjustment to teams that want to keep play keep away and. And grind the clock and, and run the ball. You know, I, Utah State prides himself on 
on playing fast and, and getting as many reps in there. And I felt like um, that would work out in our favor, but obviously we didn't get off the field enough and get the ball back to our offense. All right, closing comments with Kalani coming up. BYU defeats Utah State 38-26 on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to the Cougar Post Game Coaches Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is BYU Radio on KBYU FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. 38 Utah State 26 our final score this is the Larry H. Miller Auto Cougar Post Game Coaches Show time for our valuable stat of the game brought to you by Economics Partners whether for tax financial reporting or strategic purposes when your business needs a valuation the right partner is Economics Partners learn more at econpartners.com and I'm going to look at the uh, the fact that BYU got the ground game going in the second half. 138 of, it doesn't uh, give you yeah. a lot of time to, to, yeah. to score a lot of points so just getting the ball back and I thought you know, opening the second half was a great opportunity for us to go down and score. And then we just knew that once we get in the rhythm and, and things went well, uh, we, 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 we could be in a good spot. I, I hate that we stalled some. We had missed field goal and stalled on the fourth down towards the end. I would like to see us, you know, convert finish. first downs. Yeah, finish yeah. the play. And, and uh, we, we've got to figure some things out in the red zone, definitely on the offensive side and defensively. Um, just got to start faster and play smarter. And that, that's that's going to be the goal for us is to play smart football getting into to this Notre Dame game next week. How concerned are you about uh, about the kicking situation? Jake's won for his last six right now. Yeah, I am concerned because that's, that's a big part of our, you know, our game. And um, I thought he kicked off really well. I mean, even on the onside kick, uh, that was a great kick. Uh, Utah State, that player made a good play on it. But... We we've got we have to figure out out the the, the issue with our kicking game, and uh, we'll get that done by next week. So all three phases uh, showed out tonight. Do you know who your leading all-purpose yard getter was? Hobbs Nyberg in the return game. Really? He, yeah, yeah. He had 82 in kickoffs, and then he only had one punt return for 12. Uh, and including, I was surprised. Uh, normally, Coach Lamb or, or or you, whoever makes the call, but he caught that one four yards in the end zone, ended mm-hmm. up bringing it out to 35. Is that something that maybe we can expect to? or just that you saw on film against Utah State and exploited it? No, I, I think we're starting to trust him a little bit more. I mean, he wasn't available earlier in, in the year, and I think he has a good feel for whether there's enough hang time or, or, or not enough hang time for them to get down on coverage. And we trust him. I, I know Ed trusts him to get to make the right decision, and I thought he did, he did a great job. And, and protecting the football is going to be key, too. And him fielding the ball and, on punts and, and kickoff return, we really trust him. Okay, plan for the guys for the weekend here with uh, no game. Yeah, get get in the weight room tomorrow. Um, go to our meetings, um, get some some running in, and then um, g- give them some time off for a general conference and and let them heal up. Um, allow them to spend some time with their family. But you know, I think we're going to get a jump start on, on Notre Dame um, tomorrow as well. I, I know they 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 have a bye, so uh, it's good for us to get this extra rest. But mentally, I think we can get some game planning going and have that. Uh, done up for over the weekend is the hope to get uh puka nakua and chase roberts fit enough to play in that game by not playing them tonight or yeah i i, I believe um chase will be ready for next week and, and and same thing with puka so uh you know they did some pregame stuff and did some stuff and 
as far as warming up and all that. And I, I think uh, this extra time will be beneficial for them to get ready for next week, starting Monday. 13 straight nighttime wins and 14 straight nighttime home wins now let's for go. you. Let's just <laughs> yeah, let's just, during the day games, let's play, pray for an eclipse to happen. <laughs> uh, Kalani, congratulations again uh, on, on the W and uh, almost 60,000 fans on hand tonight to watch it. Yeah, great fans and, and just so much energy and excitement. And I just love the, the noise that they create for us and just hope they know how much we love them and appreciate them and, and just looking forward to, to you know seeing our fans down in Vegas as well. But uh, we'll, we'll be better for next week. We have to, and, and I know the guys are on top of it, and we get to work tomorrow, so that's, that's a good sign for us. Well, we and the fans appreciate you too, Kalani. Thank you for the time, and we'll, uh, we'll see you again next week. Love you guys. Thanks. Okay. Go Cougs. Thanks, Kalani. All right, that is Kalani Sitake. Cougar Nation now coming up next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to the BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now. BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Be a part of the show by emailing your questions to CougarNationNow at BYU.edu or tweet your questions to at Greg Rubel using hashtag BYUCNN. Let's head live to the Built Bar broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson, Mitchell Jurgens, and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. BYU defeats Utah State by a final score of 38-26. to Cougars defeat the Aggies for a third straight time before this rivalry goes into hiatus. It's the last scheduled game between BYU and USU. There were games on the schedule for 23, 24, 25, and 26. All those games were canceled contractually. BYU, in all of its game deals, had riders in there in which games could be canceled should BYU join a P5 conference. That has happened. And so BYU and Utah State is done for the time being. Uh, Riley, we didn't talk about this in great depth in the pregame, uh, but right as of right now, this is a series on hiatus. And it's it's unfortunate, especially I, I said this obviously tonight. But, I mean, even tonight, like Utah State came in 1-3, and, and it was a game that was largely competitive, right, and only ended up – being uh, 12 points, right? So, I, look, I'm, I'll just say we we can all remember a time when it was when 12 points would have been a miracle, and it felt like uh, when the, and it felt like this one wasn't as close as other games have been. But you look back, going back to 2010 when Utah State kind of broke the ice. From that point on, you know they picked up four victories over the years, and and the 2010, 2019 was six and four, so it was a pretty even matchup. And it is a shame as Utah State's been able to uh, you know progress to a point uh, in their program to where. Uh, they've been able to compete at a higher level after 20 or 30 years of not really being able to compete against an in-state rival in BYU. That just as the program gets to that point, um, you know, schedules change. But that's the nature of college football. It's been changing and, uh, and evolving for decades, and uh, it's not going to stop now. And so I think fans are mature enough to know, but it is, uh, you know, for the folks from Cash Valley to make the trip down here and then uh, the coach from Happy Valley down here to make the trip back up to Cash for that not to be an annual occurrence is something that I think uh, it brings a little bit of sadness but as far as BYU is concerned on to bigger and better things. Hashtag BYUCNN to reach us on Twitter. You can also email us, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. CougarNationNow, one long word with two ends at the back half. CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. Joe on the email says, hey, Greg, Riley, and my man Jurgens. That's what he said. 
My I like man, it. My man Durgis. That means he's got to take like it. it. He said, what a great day to enjoy BYU football. Love Jaron's play, poise, and leadership. He looks very efficient. But from my point of view, says Joe, he rarely throws over the middle. From your premier perspective, is that more schematic, taking what the defense gives you, or a missing piece to his game? Would love to hear the X's and O's from your experience, Riley and Mitch, on that question. Yeah, so uh, I, I actually had the same thought um, after last week, I, and it's hard to it's hard to criticize Jaron's performance, right? Because when you're as efficient as he is, and he's, as he has been this season, um, if it's working, it, you know you don't need. It's not like someone's going to say, "Hey, you're you're not playing good football because you're not throwing down the middle." Um, with that said, though, I, I kind of had that thought, like, man, he is he is throwing, and, and you can tell he's very comfortable throwing outside the hashes. But then I saw a chart. Um, going around Twitter just uh, this week, and he is he is throwing down the middle um, between the hashes. Um, I, I had thought it was way less, but as I looked at the chart um, showing his you know how he sprayed the ball across the field, um, he he is still throwing down the middle. So I, I mean I think also as you as you look at um, the last two games, um, you've been down Dallin Holker. Um, there's a couple of those you know middle middle of the field uh, targets that. Uh, potentially are just not there anymore, and and when you have the athletic ability um, on the uh, on the outside that you have, it's hard not to just exploit where you're advantageous, right? And, and the receivers have proven to be a fabulous group, and um, they're having a stellar season. So uh, again, yeah, I, I mean, I I can understand the question, but at the same time, Jaron's as efficient as it as it comes as at to this point. And, um, I mean, it's just impressive to watch him throw the ball. Tonight's chart uh, lent a little more to Joe's question. Tonight he was 6 of 7 to the left, 6 of 13 to the right, and 1 for 3 across yep. the middle. So only 3 of his uh, 23, uh, three of his uh, pass attempts tonight were actually over the middle. 3 of his 27 uh, tonight were over the middle. I don't Riley, know what Riley the, your thoughts. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know what the chart says, but it's not Jaron's thing. And actually, like, if I can just speak candidly, I think we saw this when Zach took the leap to the next level and struggled mightily. Uh, but we ball security doesn't just have to do with a player's decision-making. It also has to do with play calling. And they simply don't. I mean, think about all the yeah. routes that we used to have when it was more that West Coast style from either Robert and I or, or Brandon Doman, which was back of the days, you know, the, the traditional BYU. You're throwing basic crosses to tight ends. You're throwing over routes to slot receivers. These guys don't ever run four verts. Have you ever seen them? Have you ever seen them throw a seam versus cover three? No. Like which like Max used to live off that to Dennis and Andrew Pitta, and uh, or sorry, <laughs> Andrew George, Dennis Pitta, and Andrew yeah. George, and they simply are not existent in this offense. And to me, it all goes back to their state of philosophy. Priority number one is take care of the football. Well, one of the easiest ways to take care of the football is don't throw it to where a lot of people are. All the throws go to the sidelines uh, to where it's one-on-one coverage most often and even if it's not where the ball falls there's not going to be another player there there's out of bounds in a sideline there so it can't harm you it's not so he says is it an efficiency in Jan's game it's not that he can't do it or won't do it it's to me it's a design in this offense and that's fine he may be alluding to you know Jared's projection to the next level hopefully he gets an opportunity to develop because he's sure not getting a high volume of reps um, here uh, to Twitter, Ryan uh, Benyon on Twitter says, feels like Utah State got after Jaron and made it a point to get him on the ground or be more physical. How does BYU continue to protect him to avoid future injury against aggressive teams like Notre Dame and Arkansas? And there was a point tonight 
Uh, it actually came on the low hit that drew a flag that he he tweaks his shoulder, right, uh, Riley? He, he landed on it with his elbow. Yeah, like, kind of like your humerus is vertical. That happened to me a couple times. It kind of jolts your shoulder, collarbone, and he, he stood up and kind of, you know, was chicken-winging it. But uh, I, I think I think he'll be okay. Listen, uh, he's he's got a very valid point. And to be honest, like, if I'm watching film and I watch what Jaron Hall means to this offense, I don't know why more teams don't try and light him up and try and hit him and try and get him on the ground and not in a cheap way or not even a way to knock him out but just simply what that does to a quarterback's psyche if he's constantly getting himself off off the ground even if he doesn't have the ball anymore it messes with his internal clock it messes with his rhythm and his confidence in in his ability to to uh, deliver the ball so i would fully anticipate that both notre dame and arkansas come after jaron and try and get his jersey a little bit dirtier than the five teams thus far have had success doing uh, the getting after Jaron contributed to his rushing yardage number of minus 15 yards tonight. And uh, minus 15 is a new single-game low uh, in Jaron Hall's career. And again, we really haven't seen that part of his game yet. And I'm not sure to what extent we will see that part of his game explode as maybe it has in the past. It could be um, a stated objective to keep him where he needs to be and avoid any downfield uh, threat uh, to his health. Uh, because I think keeping him important, keeping him upright and healthy is among the most important things BYU can accomplish this season. Greg Grubel, Riley Nelson, Mitchell Jurgens here in the broadcast booth before our break. Uh, Mitchell, uh, any uh, any reflections on BYU defeating Utah State 38-26 we didn't get from you during game? Well, the most important thing, the wagon wheel stays in Provo. Um, I, I mean, we've talked about it, right? But uh, this is a game where we're not sure when the next game's going to be. And so this was a big one to, to keep the wagon wheel here in Provo. And so with the rivalry game, it was just good first off to see BYU come out on top. Um, I, I think one of my biggest takeaways obviously comes back to um, the, the special teams unit. Um, they've got to find an answer in the kicking game. In today's game, um, and we've seen throughout the season, there's been many drives and, you know, ending not in points when they get to the red zone and that you have to find a fix, especially going into Notre Dame and Arkansas. Tonight, there were six points off the board just on missed field goals. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think there was also, we went for it, or BYU went for it on fourth down, yeah. had a failed conversion. A fourth and three gained a yard and a half. Yep, had a failed conversion. And so that's potentially, you know, made field goals. You convert, it, it, that's nine points off the board if you have a comfortable kicking game. Um, and, and it makes this game look a lot it's a, it's less a, close. It's a three-touchdown win now. It's 47-26. Exactly. And, and so these are the types of things that, again, it's going to take your program to the next level. When you play, uh, obviously, against Wyoming and against um, against Utah State today, it didn't it didn't prove to affect the scoreboard or the outcome of the game. But when you look at next week, they've got to find an answer because this isn't something you can continuously rely on. Um, going for it on fourth down all the time, you know, teams are going to key in on this and pick up on it. And if BYU has a weak special teams unit, especially in the kicking game, uh, you know, teams can get after that and exploit it. So this is something that I really hope it becomes an open battle. And, and whoever it is, whether it's Jake, whether it's somebody else that steps up and, and truly just owns, you know, figuring out how to get this done because I think it's a, a key part that's going to take BYU to the next level if they can figure it out. It's a weird thing because Jake was on his way. I mean, like, he was on his way to being an all – and there could still be time for him, but he was on his way to being an all-timer in terms of volume and accuracy and length. And um, he's uh, in a serious slump right now. And, and you know, you could slump yourself out of a job in this in this game the way it is right now. So uh, whoever finds it or however BYU finds it, you got to get it back because, again, too many points scoring opportunities are going by the wayside right now. 
uh, unfortunately. Uh, before the break, uh, Dylan chimes in from Twitter, and then we'll take a break. He says, from your perspective, is the BYU receiver room just that insanely good, or is Jaron just insanely good, or both? Because without your stated two primary weapons for most of the year, Puka and Gunner, BYU is still producing at a really high level uh, through the air. Um, you lose Puka, you lose Gunner, Holker leaves the program, and yet uh, guys are responding and getting into the end zone. And I guess you know it's it's somewhat of a tongue-in-cheek question, but there's some um, you know seriousness to it. What's what's led BYU to really not miss a beat through the air right now? Yeah, I, I think, and I actually talked about this in pregame, one of the things I've been very impressed with so far with this receiver group is that despite, you know, whoever's on the field, and we've seen there's six, seven guys in that unit that are reliable receivers. Um, uh, the chemistry between a quarterback and a receiver is so important when it comes to timing, um, being in the right spots for routes. And every single receiver seems to have it at this point. Um, it looks like Jaron has complete trust in a number of different guys. And, yeah, I mean, we haven't we haven't seen a season like this with this much depth at the receiver room. Whether to answer the question, whether it's is it Jaron, is it the receivers? I think it's both, right? They're, they're, it's, a, it's a really close-knit group. You can also tell when uh, I love seeing Cody Epps and Gunner at the, the post-game press conference table. You know, Cody's saying he's grinning year from year just to, to see Gunner back on the field. And you can tell this, I think this group pushes each other to be the best that they can be. They support each other. And it just looks like they're having fun out there. And it's definitely one of the most, I guess, cohesive and, and talented groups right now for this BYU team as a whole. Riley? Cody Epps had, of his 86 yards, 55 were after the catch. Keanu Hill had 46 receiving yards tonight, 39 yards after the catch so you got dudes who are playmakers with the ball in their hand so that is that side of it but then also you have ethan erickson who started the started the season what fourth fifth on the depth chart maybe fifth and jaron just throws a strike right over the you know right over the ear of the defender to where all he had to do was put his hands up and he's got his first catch and first touch on the year right like a quarterback to make throws like that so that's my way of saying both Okay, we'll take a break. It is BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation now. Hashtag BYUCNN to reach us on Twitter. And you can email us, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. Cougar Nation now, one long word, two ends at the back. Cougar Nation now at BYU.edu. Your comments via social media and email next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to Cougar Nation now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Here's your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. BYU 38, Utah State 26 is our final score. Uh, hey, uh, the Grizz father, Russell Grizz, on uh, Twitter asks a really important question because I, I spoke uh, with Kalani and our audience on the air about... Uh, how BYU's nighttime win streak is now 13 games overall and 14 games at home. And Grizz's question was, is the Notre Dame game a day game or a night game? Because it kicks off 4.30 local, 4.30 in Vegas. And I personally, in doing all my night game calculations, have 5 p.m. kick as the cutoff. So from 5 o'clock onward, I think it's a night game. And anything before 5, I say, is a day game. If I were to stick with that and call 4.30 a day game, would I have support from you, Mitchell, and Riley? I, I support it. 
the even the six p.m. game today because we're, I'm so used to playing eight p.m.s under the light when under the lights when it started when it kicked at six it felt like it was a day game. <laughs> and, and Greg said like as we kicked off he's like ninety eight percent is in the thing. It yeah. reminded me of those late November games right that are yeah. one o'clock kicks and yeah. by the time in the second half the with the shadows. So, yeah, so I agree. I think uh, I think it's a day game. I don't know. I kind of want to call it a night game because then that means we're going to win. It's <laughs> a good point. Yeah. It's gonna, it'll, it'll, it'll end. In the Vegas darkness, I think. But I think a 4.30 start still uh, qualifies as a day game for me. So it may not be into the night game streak uh, calculations. But that's kind of what I'm going with. I think of 5 o'clock onward. So anyway. Uh, Hey, uh, my my man Nate. Nate Slack says, what should we we be reading or should be reading into Conover not getting any snaps at the end of the game? It wasn't a it wasn't far enough away. Like Mendenhall had a 21 point rule in the fourth quarter. And they never got to that. I mean, not that Kalani's the same rule as Mendenhall, but, like, normally it's got to be at least 21, and that's even kind of tight, right? So, uh, yeah, no. Don't read anything into it because the game was not and, – and think about it. It's not so much like you think – BYU has an offense. With a, almost every play has a shift or a motion or something associated with it, and – you know, your two starters, two of your most guys who played more snaps than ever, Jaron and Lopini, first dri- what first quarter, second drive of the game, put the ball on the ground, right? You do that, you can bring in Jake, and for, especially for a guy, here's the other thing too. What's your upside and what's your downside? In a situation like that, if the dude hasn't had enough reps or you're worried about it, it's going to ruin his confidence. He's not going to be able to be productive. So you want to be able to put your backups in a position to be successful. So anyway... I, I'm obviously reading too much into it. Nate, don't read anything into it. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Robin on the email says, I was pleased with Coach Sitake playing it conservatively in the last part of the game. BYU has a history of injuries in this game. He said that taking it easy made sense. And, uh, yeah, it – I mean, it's just a strange thing. It's, it's, I, it, it clearly, I'm not reading any intent into it. That's not my point. My, my, my point is to note how odd it has been that in this particular game, BYU's had that weird quarterback uncertainty, either going in or in the game itself, or something weird tends to happen in this game. And so when Jaron went down that one time and got up holding his shoulder, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Um, but, uh, you know, thoughts are he'll be fine. But it is just kind of strange that in this particular game, it's just one of those where you want to get out of it with your guy. Um, uh, in in good shape, and I think for the most part you could say that uh, that happened. Well, they I mean they also protected him, and and who knows maybe he, maybe he was fine, but also like since the when he went off originally he didn't throw much after that, so that's kind of when they went to the run, and maybe it was uh, you know late in the game running out the clock, but also a way to say hey if if there are some if his shoulder is sore why don't we just run it and protect him and and get out of this game again healthy. Hey, our man Ralph Sokolowski, our stats man, has uh, emailed in a, uh, a note. So we've had two Max Tooley pick sixes this season, right? This could have been, oh, you know what? Good <sighs> trivia. Could have been the good trivia. Did I make it the trivia? Kainakua. Yeah, see, okay, there you go. Okay. Riley wins the ice cream. Uh, Kainakua, 2016, Boise State and Fresno State. What first, was the question? I thought I, who was the last to return? Who was the last to have two pick sixes in, in the same season? Yeah, it was, was kind of Kua in uh, in 2016. <laughs> Way to go, Riley! I guess it won't be our question uh, tonight. All right, um, but I do have a trivia question. We'll get to at the end of this break. There's no doubt about that. So uh, BYU and Notre Dame. Uh, Ralph also told us that uh, the Cougs under Kalani are five and five against teams coming off a bye, and Irish By the are way, coming off a bye. 
great great sign of respect from Notre Dame to schedule. I mean, I mean if you don't think their schedule's tailor made uh, because they have the upper hand in, in negotiations, uh, to be so afraid to come to Provo that uh, they had to negotiate a neutral site and go. then to put a buy ahead of, of the neutral site. <laughs> Fighting Irish, more like. No, no, no. Scaredy Irish. <laughs> so it is uh, BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now. It's brought to you by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Uh, trivia coming up in a moment. So we uh, said BYU is averaging around 160 yards, rush yards per game coming into tonight with two pretty good games, one really good game, one decent game, and two not-so-great games. So Bryant on the email says it is week four, actually week five, and other than the first game against USF, BYU really, he says, has not been able to get a solid run game going. Are you at all concerned about this, or is a win a win no matter how it's done? He said, I feel that without a run game, BYU is kind of a one-dimensional team. However, they seem to be able to make up for that with their extremely deep receiving room. Curious to hear your thoughts about the establishing of a run game. And again, by the numbers, if you're running for a buck sixty a game, you're probably top half of the FBS in terms of productivity. Of course, it's come different ways. But uh, what we saw in the second half uh, rescued the first half. Minus 21 yards in the first half and 138 yards, I think, in the second half. Of course, when you snap only 19 plays in a half and you throw it for half of those, your rush numbers may not be great. You throw a couple sacks in and suddenly you're minus 21. That said, long way to get to you guys on BYU and its establishment of a run game to this point. Yeah, I'll take a stab at this first. I mean, I, I think you do. I, 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 you know, they're not going to go away from trying to establish the run because it is. It's a, it's a key component to a successful offense, um, especially the type of offense that uh, that Jaron is managing. It's only going to help open up the pass game. Um, with that said, it, it becomes because we've seen this um, even in the the three three and outs or two three and outs that they had after that first drive, when you can't run the ball. Um, and then you're constantly in second and tens. If you, if you run the ball on first down, you don't make it, you don't gain any yardage. You throw an incomplete pass on second down. It's third and ten, and you consistently find yourself in this situation, um, not being able to run the ball to get those three, four, five yard carries that are consistent. And you know, look, if we put the ball on the ground, we're not looking for a ten, twelve, twenty yard play. We're just looking for those that three to five yards to put us in a better position on second and third down. And at, at this point, yes, it seemed like BYU is struggled doing that um i think it needs to be a point of emphasis to get back to where they were at the uh, against usf and and make this a staple mark because it's so crucial to sustain drives not force three and outs when you can have those manageable gains that are the modest three to five yards did you move off the email who sent it what was our friend's name I think you did. I, I, I can I did. see your screen. It's off of it. Anyway, I want to uh, the listener Bryant, submitted Bryant that. is his name. Brian Bryant. Walker. Yeah. Uh, go to YouTube and search Mike Leach balanced offense, and he presents a pretty interesting case um, against the traditional line of thinking that balance has to be between run and pass. His thought is more balance as far as distributing the ball amongst your playmakers, and so I think uh, that might be a little bit of what Aaron uh, Roderick subscribes to, but that. That said, you ask anybody from the highest levels of football in the NFL all the way down through Little League and being able to establish the run, I mean, is uh, has immeasurable impact on the game. So hopefully they can do both. But if they cannot or are being limited, uh, they can find balance in their offensive attack through other ways. 
Ryan on the Twitter, hashtag BYUCNN, says it was the second time they tried the play where the snap goes to Katoa then gives it to Jaron. Will we get a third chance to see it? Throw uh, that one out, baby. First time they tried it, <laughs> Throw it, it out. they had to call timeout before the snap. Second time tonight, was a, was it a Penalty. false start? Yeah. And so you're saying it's done. The football gods do not – don't tempt them. They've signaled to you twice. They don't want that play run. That they don't want that play run. And if you try it again, they are going to put the ball in the other team's hands. Okay, there it is. And you don't want to mess with the fact that BYU's gone now four straight games without a giveaway, which is crazy. All right, Carl emails in simply to say, thanks for your postgame program. It helps us drive home safely to St. George. So for all those on the road, whether heading north or heading south or east or west, thank you for being with us. Should we get to our skill testing trivia for two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream? Let's do that. Let's do it. All right. Again, the ground rules. Uh, you must include the hashtag BYUCNN. And the first correct answer to cross my timeline on my laptop in this broadcast booth will be the winner of the famous BYU creamery ice cream. BYU has played Notre Dame eight times. BYU's won two of the games. In BYU's first ever win over Notre Dame, who was BYU's leading rusher and who was BYU's leading receiver by yardage? So in BYU's first ever win over Notre Dame, who was the Cougs' leading rusher by yardage and who was the Cougars' leading receiver by yardage? That's your question. The first correct answer, hashtag BYUCNN, wins two half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream brought to you by the BYU Creamery. The classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. It's BYU Creamery. Cougar Nation now. We'll come back with our trivia answer and say so long after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Cougar Nation now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. So I stated the ground rules for the trivia question with the proper hashtag, first one on my timeline. I forgot to say that if you already won this season, we're going to let someone else win if you happen to be the first person in with the correct response. And so we have to say that Ryan Lundgren, who's gotten really good at this, was the first guy in with the correct response, but he's already won ice cream this year. So we're going to know that uh, Ryan joins us in, in the benevolence of letting the next person with the correct answer, win the ice cream, while we acknowledge that Ryan is so very smart and was so very fast and was first again with the correct answer. The question was, in BYU's first ever win against Notre Dame, who was the Cougars' leading rusher by yardage and receiver by yardage? And this game came in 1994. It was the third all-time meeting between BYU and Notre Dame. Notre Dame won in 92 by a score of 42-16. to They won in 93 by a score of 45-20, but in 1994, oh, how the turntables. And BYU defeated number 17, 17 Notre Dame by a score of 21-14. to And in that game, in the first ever win for BYU over the Irish, the leading rusher and the leading receiver were the same guy. Ryan Lundgren knew the answer, was Jamal Willis. And the next guy... To cross my timeline to know the time, uh, timeline to know the answer was Scott Goldsmith, and so Scott will be a winner of two half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream. The answer is Jamal Willis times two, and a number of other people got the answer correctly later on my timeline. Timeline, but yes, Jamal led the Cougars in rushing with 75 yards and a touchdown, 
and led BYU in receiving with 83 yards and a touchdown. There you go. Jamal Willis. I'm going to win one of these weeks. I was the first. I was the fastest. But, I, Jamal, I didn't know who was receiving. I couldn't even think of who really were some of the receivers. So I gave a shout-out to my boy, Austin Colley. Yeah, you, he would have. If he would have been on that team, he would have let yeah, him run receiving. You, you were separated day. by generations there, but uh, <laughs> it, that was a nice. But I was fast. I got the fast thumbs. I just need the. I just need the fast mind next time. It was a nice job by Riley to uh, to, to give that one a go. Uh, we should note that uh, Jamal. Did you Willis, play Notre Dame? No. Jamal Jamal Willis's uh, partner in crime in in the preceding season and seasons was uh, was Kalen Hall, whose mm. son is now the starting quarterback for BYU. So the dynamic duo back in the day was was Jamal Willis and, and Kalen Hall. Hmm. And Kalen's sons continue to get things done for BYU athletics in different sports. All right, congratulations, uh, folks, guys, uh, for getting the answer correctly and quickly in to the program. And I guess that leaves it uh, just to wrap up tonight. Mitch, was there anything else that did, you didn't get in tonight you wanted to get in postgame? Hmm. Anything else gnawing at you? You're good. Yeah, no, there there was. Here here's my here's my question. So, the last two weeks there have been quite a few penalties. Eleven BYU, last week and ten this week. And ten this week, and a lot of them being false starts and offsides. And I find it surprising that these penalties are coming here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Typically, this is your home crowd. You don't have. I mean, you're not battling crowd noise to jump offside. So I, you know, it's it's usually. A, the, the visiting team that struggles with how loud uh, an opposing stadium gets. But um, so I think that's going to be definitely an area that uh, obviously Kalani talked about it coming into this game. They didn't get the results they wanted as far as cleaning up the penalties. Um, but uh, that's something against, again, against Notre Dame, you've got to be crisp. You've got to be clean. I, I suspect that they're going to come out healthy and ready, ready to compete. And, and you can't shoot yourselves in the foot with these types of mistakes uh, that, that truly were straight mental mistakes because we know it wasn't crowd noise that was causing these penalties. The Cougs um, have gone back-to-back weeks without covering, um, and, and that might and, and I, they could be the underdog in, in, in Las Vegas against Notre Dame. And maybe that's just a little bit of what might help BYU um, in some way. Yeah. It, it's so easy to, to not be your sharpest when you know you cannot be at your best and likely still defeat the teams you just beat in Wyoming and Utah State. You can't have that kind of game and expect to defeat Notre Dame. And, and maybe it, it just sharpens the uh, um, the edge a little bit um, in, in nine days. Uh, as we head out, uh, Daniel Green, who's uh, joined the program before, says, uh, Hey, fellas. On the email, he says this. Hey, fellas. Echoing the thanks for the post game makes the drive back to Cache Valley pleasant. See, see whether you're going south or whether you're going north. He says, Nothing like making it through Sardine to the lights of Cache Valley. Right, Riley, he says. That's right. Riley says right. And he says, I'm glad I can face the neighbors tomorrow. Great game, and go Cougs against Notre Dame. Thank you, Daniel, for uh, dropping us a line and being our final commenter of the night. Let's wrap it up for the night. I do know that back at BYU Radio that uh, Logan Gardner was our main control board operator tonight, and I also know that Sean O'Neill was involved on the board. Was there a third board operator tonight? Corbin, Corbin Radford was also invo- involved on the board back at BYU Radio. So to our, uh, our our trio of control board operators, many thanks. Terry South, our coordinating producer. Shiler Johnson, our BYU Radio studio intern tonight. Thanks to all. And uh, Sean also gets uh, kudos on the managerial side, as does Clark Jackman. Appreciation to Casey Stoffer, 
on the CST side. And then we had here at uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium our spotter, McKay Perry, our statistician, Ralph Sokolowski, our studio host, both here and at Cougar Canyon, Jason Shepard, our engineer at Cougar Canyon, and back at the studio, Barry Squires, our booth intern, Amy Harris. We had Michael Wimmer, our chief engineer, pressing all the right buttons. Clark also helped out up here with that. And then we thank Brett Pine and Duff Tittle and Kenny Cox and everyone on the BYU Athletic Media Relations side for helping us out and help us do our jobs to the best of our abilities. And that leaves only the guys on the headset now, which means the man to my far left. Riley Nelson. The man to my near left. Mitchell Jurgens. And my name is Greg Grubel. Thanking you all for tuning in and inviting you to be with us one week from Saturday. 3.30 Mountain Time pregame, 5.30 Mountain Time kick for BYU and Notre Dame for the ninth time all-time from gorgeous Allegiant Stadium. And so, I am Greg Grubel saying in the meantime, and in between time, this has been BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Final score tonight, BYU 38 and Utah State 26. Good night and so long from Provo, Utah. You have been listening to live coverage of BYU football on the new skid, BYU Sports Network. Coverage of today's game has been brought to you by All Pro Capital Real Estate Investments, by Les Olson IoT, your office technology partner, by Valhalla Fiduciary, expertise and independence in hedge funds. Also brought to you by Smith's Food and Drug. Get double fuel points and free grocery delivery with a boost by Smith's Rewards membership. BYU Football is a production of BYU Athletics in association with BYU Broadcasting. Special thanks to BYU President Kevin Worthen, Vice President Keith Vorkink, Athletic Director Tom Homo, and Associate Athletic Director of Corporate Sponsorships Casey Stoffer. BYU Football is an exclusive presentation of the new skin, BYU Sports Network.